Hello and welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. Hi, I'm Anais Lucia. I'm an actor and host of uh, several other podcasts, but I'm also very passionate about social justice. And I just want to thank Joe for having me on to co-host this podcast. As I prepare for this episode, I wanted to take a look at the George Floyd tragedy from a different perspective. I don't intend to be disrespectful to Mr. Floyd's family or any victims, but in this episode, instead of speaking to the tragedy of Mr. Floyd's murder, I'm going to talk about forgiveness and how Derek Chauvin, by asking for forgiveness and forgiving himself, can help Mr. Floyd's family and the nation learn and grow. Okay. I, uh... I remember when I was going through my trial. A lot of you may not know, but I was on trial for murder, and they were asking for the death penalty. And I remember when uh, my lawyer was preparing me for the trial, he was telling me how they were going to, over the course of the trial, dehumanize me so that the jury could find it easier to give me the death penalty. So what they did over the course of the trial, they referred to me as Joe Baker, Mr. Baker, Joe, the defendant. But by the time they got to the end of the trial and during the closing arguments, they were referring to me as a monster or that person, you know. And it made me feel some type of way because at the beginning of the trial, the very beginning of the trial, I told my lawyer, I said, I want to apologize to my victim. And he told me, no, we can't do that. He said, I understand how you feel, but we can't do that because uh, an apology is considered an admission of guilt. And I was on trial for my life. He didn't want me to do that. So I took his advice. I've regretted it to this day, but I took his advice. And over the course of the years, I've learned how strong and how important it is to forgive and to ask forgiveness of yourself. So when I was watching the trial with Derek Chauvin sitting behind that desk, mm -hmm. I was watching his face and I just couldn't get it out of my head that, you know, that used, that was me at one time sitting behind that desk. I was that monster. I was that villain that everybody wanted to do away with. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that he's guilty of murder. I do believe that he should be in prison. But I also believe that on the other side of this, that Derek Chauvin would become a better person, a better man, if and when he gets to that point where he can ask for forgiveness of the victim's family. And I say that because I went through that. Mm -hmm. And it's not important that you worry about the victim's family accepting your apology. The main thing is that you're being sincere about it. Because it wasn't until I forgave or ask forgiveness to my victims that I was able to forgive myself, you know? Mm. And that was a hard thing for me. Mm. But you can't move beyond, and I know this from experience, you can't move beyond the person that you were until you forgive yourself. But you can't get to that point to where you can forgive yourself until you ask for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness, in my opinion, recognizes the humanity in the person that you took. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get to that point, you're not going to start to recognize the humanity in yourself. You know, and I've heard some victims advocates say that victims believe it's disrespectful of 
offender or perpetrator to ask for forgiveness. I, I just, I don't really understand that because I've had other victims advocates say that victims wanted to hear the person that harmed them, that intruded into their lives. They wanted to hear them say that they were sorry. They wanted to hear them accept responsibility for what they did. So I'm a little confused when I do hear some victims advocates say that victims don't want to hear from them. They don't want to hear anything. And, I, and I'm sure that's true in some cases. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't ever get to sit face-to-face -face across from a table to apologize to your victims if you're a violent offender, I'm talking directly to Derek Chauvin in this case and the other people that are going to be tried for Mr. Floyd's murder. Even if they don't ever get to sit across and apologize to his family and his daughter, they need to make sure that they get things right with the Most High. And if they are believers, and I am. And they need to make sure that they get things right with themselves because it will help, I believe, it will help the Floyd family to understand that this man gets it now. You know what I'm saying? Maybe mm -hmm. he got it, you know, uh, before he went on the trial. He just couldn't say it because I, I'm telling you, my lawyer told me not to do it. He wasn't trying to be mean or disrespectful towards the victim's family. He just was looking at it from a strategic standpoint. He was trying to save my life. Mm -hmm. So he was like, no, you keep your mouth shut. So I understand if, if Derek Chauvin's lawyer told him to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, and, and I think a lot of people looking at that trial, they sat there and they saw that man sitting behind that table and he looked like he just didn't care. Mm -hmm. But for me, when I saw him, it looked like he was afraid. He was confused. He was scared. He was mm -hmm. probably angry, you know, because he thought he was doing his job. I think that he knew he might have been going overboard, but in that moment, as far as, you know, been my experience, a lawyer doesn't want you to sit there and break down and start crying because the jury can read that a whole lot of different ways. And yeah. nobody knows the heart of a man, you know, and, and I saw that totally different. And like I say, when I was preparing for this episode, I was all over the map. I was all over the map. I, I wanted to talk about how unfair the system is. Mm -hmm. And even though they, they found this man guilty, that the system was still intact because now people think that, just, that the system works, which, you know, I, I don't really believe that uh, it works the way it should. I think things need to be changed. And that, but that's another episode. Mm -hmm. But I kept going back and forth. And, and honestly, with you, I'm going to say this, it wasn't until three or four hours ago that I actually settled on what I wanted to talk about in this episode. Oh, wow. I, I went to work, I was sweeping the floor, and it just hit me. You need to talk about forgiveness, mm. you know? So in that, I just said, okay, I'm going to talk about forgiveness. But let me explain to you, you know, what it is for me when I say forgiveness, right? I believe that when you forgive somebody, you have to move on with your life, you know, as if it never happened. You don't treat that person based on what they did. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to forget. I'm not saying that people should forget what happened because we should. Mm -hmm. But you have to find a way to move beyond what happened in a positive way, in a way that, like I said, recognizes the humanity of the person that was offended and the family. And then you have to ask yourself, you know, you, well, you have to forgive yourself. Now, for me, in forgiving yourself, you have to understand that I use the same principles as I, as I do when I ask somebody for forgiveness. I move on as if it never happened, knowing that I'll never forget what happened to my people. I don't want to forget that. Mm -hmm. But I use that 
I use what happened, the, 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 the mistake that I made, I use that in a way to, to, to keep me on the right path. I always think about my victims. I always think about, you know, what can I do to not let what happened be something that I didn't learn from. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been in a situation like that? When you had to forgive somebody for something that you thought you'd never forgive them for? Mm, I mean, I don't think anything as horrible as, you know, what happened with George Floyd. I, I feel like it would be very hard for me. I'm a I'm the kind of person that I don't forgive easily. Like, I really have to believe that you truly mean it because I'm very good at seeing when people are being disingenuous and like my BS meter is pretty good. So like, if I don't really, if I don't really believe you, like, I'm not going to forgive you. I'm just very, I'm kind of harsh in that way because, you know, I feel like people kind of need to learn from their mistakes and hopefully never do it again. But if I, if, if I feel like you're just uh, apologizing just because, just for yourself more, more than like you actually care about the person, then for me, it's like, well, you don't really care. Like you're not really showing that you understand what you did. But if I can kind of see that, like, you know, they right. and, I, and, I, and I, I agree with that. I agree with that to an extent. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, when you when when a person is sincere, mm-hmm. okay, you'll be able to see that in their walk, how mm-hmm. they act. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not you know asking somebody to forgive you for something that that you've done, and then you go out and you keep doing the same thing or something similar. You know that that's not genuine. You know what I mean? Yes. You okay. turn away from that. You know, uh, I don't know if you're a believer or not, but I am. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the Bible speaks to that. I remember, you know, uh, reading the Bible and learning about Mary when the, the, the villagers wanted to stone Mary, right? And we got Jesus. I'm paraphrasing here, you know. Mm-hmm. We got Jesus here, and he says he without sin cast the first stone, right? Mm-hmm. So what did they do? They all dropped their stones. And then what did he say to Mary? That's the part that a lot of people miss, I believe. He told her to go and sin no more. You see what I'm saying? Mm. He told her to go and sin no more. Don't keep doing what you were doing. And that's what I, that's part of what I patted my uh, forgiveness off of. If a person is sincere about what they are asking to be forgiven for, they'll turn away from that. Again, we're here when people make mistakes, you know, it doesn't mean you gotta be perfect Mm -hmm. because that's not possible. But you do your best to turn away from that and, and go on and do something positive and learn from that. You know, and yeah, can you tell if a person is being sincere? Nobody can look into the heart of a man. Nobody. Mm. You know, but I do believe that, you know, people can change. Do you believe that people can change? Yes. You do? Yes. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. If you believe that people can change, and then you, what you said a few minutes ago is like, you know, they might be saying or doing that just because you know they may have gotten called or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. then i'm trying to understand how do you reconcile that well i mean i feel like they have to you know choose to change and it's kind of hard to tell like right at you know it, it's something that you would kind of see um like over a period of time like yeah they would be shown by their actions um, right. But some, it's just, I don't know, maybe I've been burned too many times <laughs> by people who like, yeah. you know, say they're sorry and then you, you know, believe it. But they then, it yeah, and then just 
by their actions they just repeat it and it's like they don't change so it's like oh my gosh like it's just kind of hard sure. but it's more yeah. like okay well maybe I'd, I'd be more like I you know I, I have to see like how you're gonna be in the future like if you really truly mean it right mm-hmm. right well for, for me when somebody um, asks me for forgiveness I forgive mm-hmm. but I'm even quicker to ask for it you know what I mean because I look again like I say I'm a believer and I don't try to push that on anybody you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying I'm not that type of person um, but I'll say this you know the most high doesn't say yeah well it's okay to not forgive a person for this or that it says you have to do it or you won't be forgiven by him you see what I'm saying and I do believe that forgiveness is really not even about that person it's about you mm. it's about creating positive energy that's one thing that I'm real big on okay. about creating positive energy you know for myself because I believe in karma and I think forgiveness is a catalyst to do that mm. you forgive somebody even though they may go on and do whatever they do that's between them and the most high okay. you know but when I am asked by somebody man I'm sorry for saying that to you I'm sorry for doing that to you I was like man we're good we're okay we move on and I don't even act I don't treat them like they just cursed me out. I'm like, I'm a referee. I play, I work in the gym, right? So they play basketball all the time, and I had a referee the game. And keep in mind, this is prison, right? Mm-hmm. And in here, basketball is not the type of basketball that you would see out there. It is very physical. People out there pushing and shoving. And uh, just like the other day, we had a game Friday night, and a guy got the back of his head burst. He got eight staples in his head from the game. Oh, wow. But in the in those games, you know, as a referee, you're gonna be called everything under the sun. I mean, everything. I've been called all kinds of things. Mm. And, and in here, you have to be mindful of what people are listening to and, and how you react to certain things because you you can become uh, like the prey in here real fast if somebody calls you out of your name. I'm not gonna say certain things on while on this podcast because we might have some kids listening one day. But mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but I've been called anything that you can imagine, right, on the negative side. And I'll stand there and I'll look at them, you know, and I'm like, okay, okay. I might check them and throw them out. Mm-hmm. But then later on, they would come back, you know. It's never fair. They'll come back and they'll apologize to me for that. Mm-hmm. And I'll forgive them. And then I'll act like it never happened. And okay. that's what I'm trying to say about uh, Derek Chauvin. I, I believe that whether Mr. Floyd's family... Uh, accepts his apology or not, or if they ever hear it or not. I believe that he needs to say it. Mm. He needs to say it out loud. I would love if he said it publicly. I would love that if he would recognize the humanity in Mr. Floyd, mm-hmm. accept that what he did was wrong publicly. I would love to hear him say that because I, I believe if he said that, that would go a long way for other police officers so that they will be like, wait a minute, okay, we've been trained to do one thing, but this training has caused us to not see the humanity in me, mm-hmm. you know, and it's easy, when you don't see the humanity in another person, their worth, it's easy to mistreat them, and that's what I was trying to, the point I was trying to make mm-hmm. when I was talking about how my lawyer told me that the DA was going to slowly dehumanize me, so that the jury would would be able to sentence me to die. It's a process you have to go through to get people to mistreat other people. And I think their training in a lot of ways does that. And that's what led to that. And if Mr. Chauvin 
recognized that and he, he admitted that he was wrong and asked those uh, the family of uh, Mr. Ford to forgive him, I think it would go a long way for the nation, mm-hmm. for the nation to heal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it needs to be recognized by an officer that this is wrong. And I don't think that that's what we're seeing right now. I think what we're seeing now is that he's been on trial. He's going to be sentenced in June, I think. And he'll probably spend the rest of his life in prison unless something happens and this case gets overturned. But more importantly than them trying to put on that the system works, I think that he has to, he needs to admit that that was wrong. He needs to admit that he got it wrong and he took somebody away from here that was precious to to his family anyway. And that I believe if he does that, that people will look at him, they he still needs to go to prison. Let's not get it twisted. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He still needs to go to prison. But I think that people will look at that and say, okay, this is how we can move forward. We have to acknowledge it. You know what I'm saying? That what he did was wrong. And coming from him, I think it will go a long way. You know? uh, do you agree, disagree um, with that? What do you think? Well, I was actually going to ask if, like, do you think, like, what if he doesn't think he what he did was wrong like he thinks he's still in the right and maybe he did, never even wanted to apologize and i'm just asking because i've you know just i guess i don't know <laughs> i've had people in my life who wronged me and never apologize like they still to this day think they didn't do anything wrong and that's why i you know i'm hesitant to like i mean these people are worse because they never even apologize they still don't think they you know what they did was wrong and i do think that there are people who that's just how they think it's like they're you know they're just not the best people and um so that's why like i don't even know like maybe derek chauvin still you know we don't know because we can't talk to him and um but maybe he doesn't even think he did anything wrong well i think that if he if he doesn't apologize i think it will only hurt him Mm. spiritually it will only hurt him because uh, come on now deep down I believe at the time he was doing it mm-hmm. and today while he's sitting in that cell he knows he was wrong mm-hmm. he knows it. he's a human being he's not a monster he knows he was wrong with what he did but what happens is in my opinion mm-hmm. in my experience is that the, that, that safe space that place that where it's like if I did something to you Right. Mm. One of the things that I think people forget about forgiveness is that the other side of it, like you're that other side, right? If I offended you mm-hmm. and I ask for forgiveness, is is it is the environment? Have you nurtured that type of space that would make it easier for me to come and apologize? Are you open to that? You know what I'm saying? Mm. And and I think that's a lot of times it's not putting it on the victims at all, mm-hmm. but a lot of times I think that people that offend that do the offending they don't want to apologize because they're worried about what the other side is going to say or think they shouldn't even be focused on that but I do believe it's incumbent on me I'm speaking for me now if I'm the offended party I want to make sure that you know that you can come to me Mm. and tell me that you're sorry for what you did you know what I'm saying I don't want to make it hard for you because at the end of the day you know if you did wrong You you don't need me to tell you you know what I'm saying? You do not need somebody to tell you when you've done wrong. You already know that. But for whatever reason, we dig a hole and keep throwing dirt on ourselves. And sometimes, like like you said, some people may never get to that point where they apologize. But I just think that for him, 
if he did that, it would go a long way for him spiritually、mm-hmm. and for this nation. You know what I'm saying? To heal, we have to do something about this racial divide in this country. And if we don't do something about the racial divide in this country, I, I just believe we're doomed. We're doomed. We have to do something about it. And if we don't, I, I just don't know what we. I don't know what this ends up looking like. I just don't. Everybody's mad. Yeah. Rightly so. Rightly so. Everybody's mad. And because you know,、uh, black and brown people are being killed. Real talk. Getting killed.、Mm-hmm. And it's like nobody cares. But I can't believe. I refuse to believe that the majority of people in this country don't care. I just refuse to believe that. It makes no sense. It's it's not going to help us if we don't fix this. If we don't do something about this, and that's why I say, you know, I wish that, you know, I don't know. He, you might be right. He might not ever forgive,、uh, ask for forgiveness. But if he don't ask for forgiveness, he's not going to forgive himself. And I'm telling you, in about ten years, and this is from experience, in about ten years, him sitting in that cell, he's going to break.、Mm. He's going to break. It takes about ten years. Wow. And at the ten-year mark, you start cracking. Yeah. Well, I do agree with you that it would, if, if you know, for example, like if I had seen him like apologize or something, it definitely would have. I think it definitely would have made a left an impact for sure on me、yeah. and everybody else. Maybe, yeah, a step towards maybe just. Calming things down. I don't know, but I feel still a lot of people would be like, "That's you know, that's not going to bring George Floyd back." And there's just so many people who are just angry and, yeah, you know, they're. But, yeah, but the question is, where does that anger come from? Where does it come from with、mm-hmm. him? Why are the police? This is a question that I have had for a long time. Why are the police? So angry at black and brown people. What did we do? What did we do to deserve to be shot, killed in the streets the way they're doing? What did we do to, to deserve that? Most of the time, they don't even know the person. Yeah. You know. Well, I think that's. So I, that, that, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I think that's well. I think that's why the,、um, one of the kind of.、Um, I guess police reforms that people are trying to kind of promote is like the community, like having like having people in that same community be like the police officers be from the same community that they're policing in,、um, because a lot of times they come from different communities, so that's why it's kind of easier for them to maybe just not really care as much, or because if it was somebody in their own community, I feel like they would be. They wouldn't be so quick to kind of resort to,、right. you know,、right. the you know violence and stuff like that. They try to deescalate more, and I think that's that would、right. make a big difference. I agree with that. I do believe that they need to do that. There's a whole lot of、uh, police reform bills on the table right now in all, all the states、mm-hmm. and on the federal level too. And I don't, I just don't know what what's in all of them, but. That's one of the things that needs to be done. I just don't know if we can, if any of those changes will matter. If we don't get to the root of, and, and what I mean the root of it is, is, what is this issue that white America,、mm. not all of it. I'm not. Let me make be clear about this. 
do not believe that the majority of people in this country are racist. Mm -hmm. I believe that the system is racist. Mm -hmm. The way it was created, I do believe the system is racist. And things need to be done and fixed. And that's what I'm talking about as far as training. They're trained to see black and brown people as a threat. Who's me? Why? You know what I'm saying? I just don't know why. But those are the types of things that I think they need to have with these prison reform bills or these uh, police reform bills. That they need to change the training. Okay. You know, these corporations. You mentioned something the other day when we were talking about corporations that made a lot of promises about what they were going to do to try to, you know, move this uh, the uh, the dialogue forward as far as you know the reforms that need to be had have they followed through on any of that I, you know those types of things I think can push this dialogue so things can change so you know it's like what can we do about that you, you were speaking on that the other day would you like to you know elaborate on that real quick uh, yeah um, so basically American companies pledged 50 billion dollars towards racial equity following uh, George Floyd's murder um, but since then they only found that 250 million has actually been spent or committed so you know they pledged 50 billion but only 250 million so that's quite you know quite a lot less than what they had uh, proposed on a national level um, the police executive research forum also known as P ERF or PERF, um, they developed a police training program called Integrating Communications, Assessments, and Tactics. Um, and this was, they did this after the George Floyd killing. So it teaches officers how to successfully and safely de escalate critical incidents. So that's one positive thing that has come out um, well, after good. that. Yeah. Good. good. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be some positive things to come out of this. I just, I wanted to look at it from a different perspective, but I do, I do believe some positive things are going to come out of it. I hope that they are structural as far as the system is concerned. I hope the changes there. I hope that people don't uh, become uh, complacent mm -hmm. because he's going to be sentenced to prison and these other three are going to be eventually, you know, if they're found guilty, sentenced to prison. I just hope, I don't want people to become complacent about, you know, that's enough and yeah. to move on. I just don't think that's enough. Uh, I think it's, like I say, the system needs to change. It really does. And I believe that uh, if we keep the pressure on, you know, I, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that people like me in prison uh, can look at something like this and feel like that they can become involved and do something, you yes. know what I'm saying, to help usher that along. That's, that's another big thing that we need to do. Um, that's one thing know. that I, I feel like... The younger generation does kind of give me hope because I feel like, especially like during the protests, I've seen so like so many just stories and just different kinds of young people just out there like just doing great things and just using their gifts, whatever gifts they have to make a difference. And when I see that, it definitely gives me some hope. Not that like I'm just like, OK, well, I'm just not going to do anything. I don't think that. But it's just like, OK, if we all do this together, we all like put in our own, do our part, hopefully. Right. And all of that right. can create change. Right. right, I do. I think I, I agree with you on that. I think this, this next generation coming up, uh, they're not settling for anything. Mm -hmm. They're not settling. So I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited about that. I, I really am. I really am. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And um, let's see. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and. 
And I, I, I just real quick want to thank you, Joe, for again having me on. And I just like I thought it was a really good conversation. Um, you know, you really made me think about maybe becoming a little bit more forgiving. So you know, it's it was it was great. It was great hearing your point of view on that. So thank you. I, I didn't want to put you on the spot, but I wanted you know I just wanted to I wanted it to be spontaneous. And, you know, but we'll have another we'll have another time next week. We'll be back with another episode of Doing Time with Joe and uh, I hope that you know we continue to do this and I hope you uh, next time you come with it you can come with it challenge me on some of the things that you don't agree with you know what I mean you can push Sounds I'm cool good. you know what I mean <laughs> yes I'm cool